Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome back to another uh, lesson in the book of Proverbs. And we're in chapter three. And in our last study, we got to verses one and two. So we're gonna look at three and four today. Uh, but let's read the all, all the text, verses one through four. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let, let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. All right, well, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what is found in this text, I pray that it become a living, enduring reality in the lives of, of the young people who are listening to these videos. Oh, dear God, that they would be such a perfect balance of truth and mercy, that their lives would be beautified by your spirit, by your word, by, by conformity to the image of your son. Oh, dear God, please let this series be more than just time spent on speaking. Please raise up, Lord, in this next generation, a group of young men and women who, who fear your name, who love you, who are strengthened by your spirit, who are made wise by your word, able to stand against Lord, possibly the great waves, the great forces that will come against your church. Please, Lord, please bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are in verse 3. Do not, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. So let's start here in verse three. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. The word kindness. It is an extremely important Hebrew word in the Bible. Uh, chesed is the word in Hebrew, and it is translated in, in different ways. And, and the reason why is this. It's, it's like I said in the last study, there are certain words in Hebrew and Greek that are so, how can I put it? They're so bountiful. They're so full of so many good things that it's hard for us to get our, to wrap our mind around it. And it's hard to find words to actually express the full meaning of the term. So it is translated, of course, here as kindness, uh, but it's also translated as mercy. In the King James Version, it's translated in some places as love, loving kindness. You see how they've combined both terms, 
love, and kindness together. And it is translated in the ESV as steadfast love. And so the idea here is an enduring, faithful, uh, genuine uh, love. I have written down here that the word denotes love, of course, along with all its faithful and steadfast kindnesses and mercies. I believe that the word um, in reference to love talks about it's trying to communicate to us everything that love is. And if you've read 1 Corinthians 13, and I do recommend it, you realize that love is multifaceted. It, it's kind of like a diamond, a diamond. And you hold it up to the light and, um, and has many facets, many faces. And each one of those facets is part of the diamond and makes up that diamond. But it's, it's, it's more than just a singular thing. It's all these beautiful things combined together in perfect harmony. And I believe that's what the word means here. Let me read it again. The word denotes love, Christian love, biblical love, along with all its faithful and steadfast kindnesses and mercies. Now, he says, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Truth here. Um, we could we could spend a lot of lectures just talking about truth and what truth is. But for our purposes, ultimately, truth is God's truth, the truth of God's word, that which is in accordance are conforms to the standard of God's word. You know, there's it's really popular today to say that all truth is God's truth. And there's some truth in that, but it's also very dangerous because people will come up with ideas of truth apart from the Bible and then seek to make the Bible conform to that truth. Ultimately, the Bible is the only standard of truth with regard to God, his person, the work of salvation and God's work in the world, with regard to our existence, our purpose, what we are as human beings, what we should think and what we should do with regard to God, and uh, and his will. So ultimately, all tr this truth that it's talking about is God's truth. And for us, it's God's truth that has been revealed to us through the scriptures. Now, I want you to notice something really, really important. And here we see, do not let kindness and truth leave you. See here, kindness and truth are combined together. And there's a really good reason for it. I want to read to you what I've written here. Kindness and truth are a summary of wisdom and its application. A perfect balance between living and speaking the truth, but always in the context of love, kindness and mercy. Now, are you understanding what I'm saying? You know, uh, the Bible is sometimes called a sword and uh, truth is like a sword. Um, do you know you can put a scalpel, you know, one of those surgical knives in the hands of a very trained and wise doctor and he is able to save lives with that cutting instrument. You put that same cutting instrument, that same scalpel in the hands of an untrained and unwise person and they'll not save lives. They will wreck lives. They will take lives. They will do damage to people. And that's the same way with the scriptures. 
Yes, it's truth, and yes, it is a sword. And when applied correctly, that means speaking the truth, but always in the context of love, mercy, kindness, patience, you see. Only then can it be helpful. Now, I just want to tell you something. I'm not saying you're this way, but a lot of, especially young people, who come to uh, have a saving knowledge of Christ and they get really excited about the scriptures and, and things like that, they sometimes can become um, judgmental, uh, legalistic, um, radical in which they are sharing the truth of God, but they're doing so in a very arrogant, proud way, without mercy, without kindness, without patience. Or maybe you're a Christian, you've become a Christian, but your parents aren't Christians or your father isn't a Christian. And, and you begin to critique everything your parents do and to vocalize that critique and to tell them they're wrong. And to God did not call you to be the prosecuting attorney of your parents. And in doing what you're doing, you're not honoring them. You're not honoring them at all. And so with our knowledge of the truth, uh, there should come, along with it, great humility um, and great mercy, great love. If you really understand what God's saying here, love is going to be the context in which you function. And, and if that's not the case with you, then you're really not understanding everything you're preaching. Do you understand? Um, if you have to err, and none of us are above error, but always err on the side of mercy, on the side of love, on the side of kindness. And be careful. Um, if you're a new Christian, if you're a young person who loves Christ, yes, God can use you, share the word with others, but be very careful. Don't step beyond your bounds um, or you'll become like that person who takes the scalpel out of a surgeon's hand and uses it to cut somebody up pretty bad. And then a surgeon, an actual person who's mature in scripture will have to come back and heal the person. And you don't want that. So I want us to look at, at a couple of verses that, that have to do with this. The first one is, is found in Ephesians. So let's go there. Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, in the New Testament, of course, uh, one of the prison epistles of, of the Apostle Paul after the book of Galatians. And so it's Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verse 15. Look what he says. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into the head, into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the body, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Twice love is meant here, is, is mentioned here. We're to speak the truth. Yes. But always in the context of love. Doing it because we love people. And uh, you say, well, I, I told them off because I loved them. Well, also in speaking, in love, will require patience, mercy, kindness, humility. When you were telling them off, did they see patience? Did they see kindness in you? Did they see humility? 
in you, you see. And also know this, sometimes there, there's a, in the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a, there's a time to talk and there's a time not to talk. So, so be very, very careful because not only are we to speak the truth in love, but we're to speak the truth in a way in this context in Ephesians that will actually edify and build people up. Yes, there are times when rebuke is necessary and correction is necessary, but be very careful and very wise how you do that. And so kindness and truth are to come together. If you have kindness without truth, you're not going to be very helpful to anyone. But if you have truth without kindness, you can be very damaging. And so he says here, speak the truth in love. Now, let's go over really quick to James chapter 3. And James chapter 3, verse 17. Well, let's let's go on back to. Uh, let's see. Let's go to 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? See, the New Testament talks about wisdom also. Let him show by his good behavior and deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Do you see that? Are you wise? And do you need to instruct others because you're so wise? Well, wonderful. But how are you supposed to do it? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. Wisdom is gentle. Now, verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. You're not acting with wisdom at all when there's arrogance selfishness, ambition, jealousy, the desire to exalt yourself because you know more. Verse 15, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above. It's not heavenly wisdom. It's not God's wisdom when there's ambition and anger and jealousy and self-exaltation. But it's earthly, natural and demonic. It comes from this world, this fallen world and not from heaven. It comes not from the spirit of God, but from our own natures. And it's not Christocentric. It's demonic. Now, he says, verse 16, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Have you ever gone in? I have when I was younger and started speaking the truth, thinking, man, I am going to tell these people. And it just caused disorder. There was no real fruit from it because I didn't have the proper attitude and I didn't have the wisdom with regard to how to apply the truth and speak it. Verse 17, but the wisdom from above, that's the wisdom from God, the wisdom from heaven, the wisdom of Scripture. Is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy. Do you see that? Remember in Proverbs, where we've been studying truth and, and kindness, which kindness is also translated mercy. Full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I want to read you a translation of that last verse. So verse 18. 
and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. In the New English uh, translation, it says, and the fruit that consists of righteousness, or the fruit that, that should um, grow up because of you speaking, okay? The fruit that consists of righteousness, if, if it's truly fruit that is righteous and according to the will of God, it's planted in peace. If you want something to grow up, a plant that produces fruit, that is a fruit that is righteous and according to the will of God, then you will sow that seed. You will sow the word you're speaking. In what way? You will plant it. You will sow it in peace. And with the motive that you desire to make peace, it's not that you're wanting to show everybody how smart you are. Or it's not because, you know, you're just you've been called by God to correct every human being on the planet, especially your parents or your brothers and sisters. No, it's the desire to make peace, peace vertically, that that individual have peace with God and peace horizontally, that that individual have peace with everyone else. So I think that's very, very, very important. Do not let kindness and truth depart from you. If you're going to be all about the truth and all about wisdom, then that truth and wisdom that you have needs to really change your life so that you know how to share it with humility, with grace, with kindness, with loving kindness. Now, let's go back to Proverbs and uh, chapter three. And he says in, in verse three, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, we're going to look at this negatively and we're going to look at it positively, negatively. Do not let them leave you. Do not let truth and kindness lead you. I know people who've let truth lead them. They're, they're kind to everybody, but they never speak the truth. And I know people who speak the truth, but they've let kindness leave them. And and they're like that, you know, like I said, a scalpel in the hands of a fool. And so keep both of them. Now, here's something that I want you to see. I want you to look at your relationship with kindness and truth as a relationship, almost like with a person. Kindness and truth must be constantly cultivated in your life. They must be constantly nurtured in your life. Do you see that? If you neglect to think about growing in kindness and you neglect to think about growing in truth, eventually you'll stop growing. And not only that, you'll you'll decrease. So both of these things, kindness and truth are something their goals. We need to work towards these as as a Christian, even as as old as I am. My goals should be I want to grow in truth. And at the same time, I want to grow in kindness. I want to grow in both of these areas. And so, listen, there are all kinds of things you can be doing with your life. But there are some things that like, man, you, you need to focus on this. And this is it. You need to focus on growing in the truth. And you need to focus. In being kind. In 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 truth and love in truth and mercy in truth and grace grow in these things make it a point to think about these things look at the word with the intention of you being conformed to these things also you need to realize um, 
You know, with regard to the Holy Spirit, uh, we can offend the Holy Spirit. We can quench the Holy Spirit. And, and in some ways, I want you to think of, of kindness and truth in that way. If you neglect them, or if you're, you, you start going against the truth, or you start acting in a way that is against kindness, it's almost as though you grieve them and they go away. So nurture these things in your life. Seek to grow in these things in your life, please. This is not just some little thing, okay? This is a big thing. Every once in a while we come across a big thing, okay? Where it's like, no, this isn't to be done with about a thousand other things. This is a big thing. And that is growing in truth, growing in kindness, and then walking in truth, speaking in truth, but also walking in kindness, speaking in kindness. Now, so negatively, do not let them leave you. Positively, what does he say? Bind them around your neck. Now, I want to look at that. He says, uh, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, first of all, bind them around your neck. Uh, sometimes this language is used as a, in, in which God is saying, bind them around your neck in order to always remember them and always to keep them in the front and center of your thinking. So look real quick. Go, go back to Deuteronomy. We've been here before. Uh, go to Deuteronomy chapter six and look at, at verse four. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. They shall be in your heart. And he says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. And they shall be as frontals on your doorpost, your, your forehead. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. But what he's saying now, if you go to Israel today, you will see rabbis and, and other um, people who practice Judaism. And they will actually have boxes, little tiny black boxes uh, tied to their foreheads or tied to their, their arm, their forearm with scripture inside. And um, but that's not really what what God is trying to tell us. God is saying, remember these things, remember them and, and not just externally, on, on, you know, on your forehead, but in your brain and not just on your forearm, but in your heart. And, and that's the same thing that's going on here. He says that constantly remind yourself truth and kindness, truth and mercy, truth and love constantly. That's the context in which you and I should live the truth of God's word, but practicing it in love. You see, especially when we're speaking to others and acting towards others now. So you bind them around your neck as a reminder of their essentiality of that. They are absolutely necessary. Don't forget it, but also put them on display. And, and I've written this, let these be the virtues that people see in you, that mark you, that you're known for. Wouldn't that be amazing? 
when you think of, you know, let's say your name is uh, Tommy, okay, or Linda, you know, how would you like it if someone said, you know, every time I think of Tommy, I think of two things, truth and love, truth and grace, truth and mercy. Every time I think of Linda, that that's what I think of. Wouldn't that be wonderful that people would know us for that? Not for having an argumentative spirit, not for being proud, not for being arrogant, uh, not for being ignorant of the truth either. Or a nice person who's very foolish. No, both things held together in balance. All right. That's what we're shooting for here. And uh, I wish someone had told me this many years ago. It would have saved me and others from much heartache. Both of these things. And yes, let, let me say this, young person. Sometimes your father and mother are going to have to speak a hard word to you. Sometimes your pastor is going to preach a hard sermon from the pulpit. Or he may even have to rebuke you personally. Jesus said many hard words, but it always needs to be in a context of love and humility. Humility. So we do it as a reminder we should always remind ourselves of truth and love. We should also have them on display. Those are the things that people should think about when they think about us. And then finally, put them on to beautify yourself and your profession of faith. A lot of us could use a lot of help with regard, <laughs> with regard to beauty and um, wisdom, truth and love. That perfect balance found in wisdom beautifies. In Proverbs 4, 9, she, that is wisdom, will place on your head a garland of grace. She will present you with a crown of beauty. True wisdom is truth beautified in the context of love and mercy. And, and I have met people who know the truth and, and really... They, they were scary to be around. They were a burden to be around. They were always using the truth to cut you to pieces or they were always watching every statement you make. And you could tell they were just trying to find something wrong with you. A lot of people on the Internet do that today. But then there are people who, who really know the truth and they internalize the truth. And yet they're so patient and so humble to teach and to speak in love. And that's that's how we want to be, isn't it? All right. Then it goes on. Let me get my notes over here. He not only says, um, bind them around your neck, but also write them on the tablet of your heart. Again, the idea here is, they're, they're, look, you can kind of fake an outward thing for a while and among some people. But after a while, the people who know you best know that it's just some outward thing. and It's not really internal. It's not really a part of you. And the goal is that truth and and kindness, that they be in. They, they're a part of us woven into our very fabric. It's a reality in our life. It's not just a mask we put on. Now, no one except Jesus Christ exemplifies this perfectly, but that's no excuse. You and I should press on toward the goal. OK, and and don't sit there and tell me, well, you know, what if I fail? I'll feel so bad. Stop it. Look, 
If you know Christ, you've been saved by grace. He loves you, period, immutably, infinitely. So this is not about trying to earn some approval or find some station before God or the difference between seeing a frown or a smile on the day of judgment. It's not what this is about. Christ took care of all that on Calvary. This is about you and I just simply seeking to be conformed to the image of Christ because we have been saved and we are secure in him. Now, it says, write them on the tablet of your heart. It must be internal and not merely external. They must become a part of us. Now, how? Here we go again. You're going to get bored with me. It's always the same answer, isn't it? Through reading the scriptures, memorizing the scriptures, meditating on the scriptures, practicing the scriptures, and allowing the scriptures also to rebuke and correct us. Okay? Now, what do I mean rebuke and correct us? What's the difference? Rebuke is when the scriptures tell you you're wrong. Correction is when they tell you what you should have done right. And we do this also with our children. Uh, say my two boys when they're little would get in fights, you know. And one of them said something to the other and the other threw his toy tractor at him or something like that. So rebuke is you were wrong in what you said. You were wrong in throwing your toy tractor at your brother's head. Okay, that's the rebuke, pointing out what's wrong. The correction is instead of speaking to your brother this way, the Bible says you should have spoke to your brother this way <laughs> instead of throwing a tractor, toy tractor at your brother's head, what you should have done is love covers a multitude of sins. You should have been forgiving. You should have spoke to him rashly. You see? So it's reading the scripture, memorizing the scripture, meditating on the scripture, practicing the scriptures, but also allowing the scriptures to rebuke us, tell us we're wrong, and then correct us, tell us what we should have done instead of what we did. Um, there's one verse that I want to share with you that's so important. It's Psalms 119.11. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. It's internalizing the word of God. Okay? And, and that's what we need to do. And not only you, your mom, your dad, your brothers, and especially the guy talking to you right now. We just need to fill our lives with the word of God. There's a word I like to use is saturate. We need to saturate our lives in God's word. All right. Well, God bless you again. As always, I didn't get as far as I wanted to get. When we come back. We're going to look at the last part of Proverbs uh, chapter three, verse four. It's, it's a very, very important part that's often neglected. So I look forward to seeing you then. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.